Dominican.com and on your smartphone. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us of our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. Amen. Welcome in to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Happy Easter. So, I was going to, you know, last Thursday was what was called Earth Day, April 22nd every year. I'd always, always miss it. It's not something that shows up on my radar or on my calendar, but we should have talked about it then on the last show about this whole thing about ecological sins and climate change alarmism. But let's talk about that um, today on this episode of Voicing Truth and Reason. But first, here, to segue into that conversation, I want to introduce you to four people I know, all right? Here's the four people. Well, there's four things that I know about people that I, th I think if you're over the age of 35, you probably know these things about people, too. You probably have learned these are some consistent things about people. Here's the first one. People who tell you that they won't let you down almost inevitably do. Right. It's, it's just it's just a law. It just happens. It's not it's not they don't they don't mean to. It's, it's not their fault necessarily. I'm sure they meant not to disappoint, right? They have a lot of confidence, obviously, to make such a promise, but they just set their expectations too high, too high for themselves. And they, I think they should have started with a more reasonable expectation, set up easier standard for them to accomplish. They should have said something like, you know, if I ever do let you down, I probably will. But if I do, I'll buy you a dozen of donuts to, for my penance, right? Here's the second person. Here's the second thing I learned about people. People who start their sentences off or start their story off saying, I, I probably shouldn't be saying this, probably shouldn't say it. They, they, they probably shouldn't, right? I, I probably shouldn't say this. Whenever you hear that, you know that they're about to utter something out loud that they should not ever even have thought in their head. These people tend to like self-control, um, temperance, prudence. And what follows after the preface I probably shouldn't say this is easy, easy, either the, the juiciest piece of gossip you wish you never heard in your life or is something so completely racist that Nathan um, Forrest Bedford would probably blush in his grave. The third thing I've learned about people, people who start off their story by saying, um, long story short, <laughs> They're about, to, they're about to tell you the longest story you've ever heard in your life. And you'll be wondering the whole time, man, if this is if this is the short version man, the long version must be like a five part miniseries from 1988. If they start off their story, say long story short, you'll never get that time back. I mean, you you you'll you're about to enter into the twilight zone, basically. And um, 
you're about to spend 20 minutes of your life that you'll never get back. Poof, gone. The only worst thing of someone saying, starting off their story saying, long story short, are those people who, who say, I probably shouldn't say this, but long story short. <laughs> but, you know, I always thought if we were ever to rename the Catholic Bible, I think we should rename the Catholic Bible Salvation History. Long story short. Okay, here's here's the fourth thing I learned about people, right? In my as I segue into this conversation about ecological sins and climate change alarmism. The fourth thing I learned about people is that people who tell me that um, something is an existential threat aren't really talking about something that's truly an existential threat. First of all, the word existential is just too long to be a threat. I mean, you shouldn't have a word that long, have that many syllables. If this is something serious, it's, it's just too big of a word. Too many syllables to be taken serious as a way to describe something that is is that threatens my mere survival. And we all know, those of us who have, have had parents, that if something is really dangerous, something is really about to take our life, you don't use a big word like that. Use words like stop, no, wait, don't, right? Just one syllable words, really quick, roll off the tongue. These are the type of words our mom used to say, right? Stop, no, don't, wait, right? You, you never heard your mom tell you, uh, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing that. That's an existential threat. Mom's never said that, right? Mom has never seen her child about to touch a stove and say, don't touch that. It's an existential threat. It, it doesn't happen, right? So even a Blessed Mother Mary, the Blessed Mother Mary, she never, she never comes in any of her apparitions, apparitions and says, kids, that's an existential threat is coming. No, she says, pray. So when I hear people talk about how plastics and cow farts are existential threats to the planet for our survival, or I hear Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talking about how the world is going to end in, in 12 years if, if man-made climate change isn't fixed. I have a hard time trusting. I already have a hard time trusting people who um, want to tell me that they want to save my life or they want to save the planet or try to, or say they want to save us from some mass contagion, but at the same time, they champion legislation that leads to the death of thousands of babies in the womb every day. Or, or when they start talking about something called environmental ra racism, oh, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of there. What's that? So, but at the same time, we do have a Pope who wrote a whole encyclical, Laudato Si, on the environment and how which addresses how we ought to care for our home. So as Catholics, I think we should flesh out our concern, uh, what our concern should be for the environment versus what is just extreme alarmism and public policies to control people that probably more belong to that body of ideas that views people as pollution. So after the break, um, 20 past the hour, we're going to have a break. And at that time, Finance Wednesdays begin. And so our regular Kevin M. Line, uh, from he's a financial advisor at Zenith Group. He'll be on to talk about finance from a Catholic perspective, including how to protect your assets in retirement. So he'll be on taking your calls. And please do call in if you want to opine 
or ask a question, call in at 877-757-9424. Again, that's 877-757-9424. When you call in, you'll hear the voice of Cecil, Cecil Anderson, who is the producer of this show on Guadalupe Radio Network. And if you want to hear her voice, see her, she's on Fridays in this time slot on the show Back to the Father. And also on the Guadalupe Radio Network on this time slot at 4 p.m. on Thursdays, you have Face to Face with Father Hezekiah, um, which he talks about a lot of Eastern spirituality. He's a, he's a Byzantine priest, and, you know, I love Byzantine liturgy. So uh, tune in to that really great show. And and then on 9 a.m. on Mondays, we have intersections with Bree Dow, and every morning on Guadalupe Radio Network, you have the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, which is the best morning show in all of Catholic radio. So before I get into distinguishing distinguishing between Catholics, the Catholic care and concern that we all should have um, for um, the ecology versus ecological alarmism, um, coming from our handlers. Let me first explain why this matters at all. Because I think for many Americans who have clean air to breathe and, and clean water to drink, I think it's easy for us not to care. I think we're spoiled in a lot of ways. So when it comes to the ecology, the first thing we have to remember is that our life is not about us. Yes, it's our life. We are individuals. But our life is not about us because we are not the author of our life. We have an author. And because we have an author of our life, we have a purpose which he has given us. So our creative purpose is directly tied to the place where we were created for, at least temporarily, which is Earth. The entire planet and, and everything contained therein was given to us as a gift from God is our inheritance to maintain and to more, most importantly, we're given this, when we're given this gift from God, he told us the condition of the gift. It's like if someone were to give you a gift, right? For your birthday or whatever. And they noted that the condition of the gift was, well, it was brand new. It's, it's not used, right? And so that's important that when we're given this gift of the earth um, from God, for our home, he said that the condition was very good. In fact, in Genesis 131, it reads, And God saw that he had made man, and behold, uh, it was very good. He had saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. So very good is the standard. And we know from Jesus' parable of the talents that it was the expectation from the master that when he returned, that his investments had would have grown, right? So now as we look um, at the world today in a condition that's in, can we at least tell the Lord, can we at least tell the master that what he has given us is still in very good condition? So this is why we must care about the home we have been given because our home came from God. And for us to, and this is where we are called to fulfill the command that he's given us. In fact, the first command to be, be fruitful and multiply. So our care for our home is not just for our generation, it's for future generations so that they can also fulfill that command. So 
if you disagree with that just basic premise about why we should care, you know, let me know. Now, before I can now, uh, before I get to how Catholics as has, how we as Catholics um, are called to care and how we can care, um, let me deal with the pollution in this conversation. What I think is the pollution because there's a lot of it. We live in a society today where our handlers, they want us to be on constant panic mode, right? About the next scary thing. Every day it's a new thing that we have to worry about. Every day there's a five, what do we call it? A five alarm fire, a 911 call. Everything is a DEFCON 5. So and at times you think these people need to go to jail for inciting so much panic over nothing. The last few weeks on this show, I've talked about how they lie constantly on racism. You think, based upon what they say, that the most dangerous place for a black person in America is outside the womb, but it's not. Actually, the most dangerous place for a black person, we know, statistically, the data says, is inside the womb. That's where most black people die in America, inside the womb. Cops kill, as I said, cops kill white people um, more than blacks. And yes, blacks, black cops also kill black people. But according to our handlers and LeBron James, white cops are out here killing black people for sport. We live in a world where truth doesn't matter because Jesus no longer matters in our view. So the lie. The lie about our ecosystem is that climate is changing and you're the reason why. You need to stop eating meat, stop flying, stop driving your gas vehicle, and connect your stationary bike to electric grid so you can lose some weight and help get us off fossil fuels or else the planet is going to be destroyed in 12 years. And and I think that lie is about controlling you. I, I'm not convinced that the elitists care about this planet. They just want to, you, I think, just want us, us, all of us to accept their control. But so, but what is true? Let's talk about what is true about the climate changing. Ocean waters are rising, right? We don't have to deny that. <laughs> um, and some people may have to relocate if the waters keep rising. All right. These are, these are facts. The, the data bears that out. It is true that our, atmosphere is contained for the most part is it's like one of those crystal balls or the snow in them right nothing is going to get outside of that it's just its own contained environment it has its own pressure and so and this is why we have air to breathe and we have water to drink because it just doesn't escape out into space right god created something special here so it is also true that um industry in our way of life does produce gases that do get trapped um, in this crystal ball, basically. And they do play a role. Those gases do play a role in causing global temperatures to rise. And it's been rising, um, and it's been those, uh, uh, more gases have been produced since the Industrial Revolution has began. That, that's factual. You can test that. That's data. But it's also true that there is a litany of other factors that also cause, causes the Earth's uh, the Earth's uh, climate to change, both cooling and heating, from solar cycle flares to the condition of the sun altogether. 
to volcanic sulfur to uh, orbital orbital wobble, which sounds like a, a dance, right? An orbital wobble um, to what's going on underneath the ocean. So th there are many factors that, that, that affect the climate on the planet. So while we cannot diminish the role that the industrial age has played and has had on a ecology in a role that, um, that just has, um, basically, I mean, there's just more mouth breathers on earth, right? So that, that's another thing that I think affects them, the planet. So, but we cannot know for certain how the planet itself will adapt, um, over time to the changing conditions, or we can't, can, uh, we can't predict how technology will change in the future to improve all the gases that have accumulated in an ether. So, and I cannot imagine that China will always produce nearly one third of the earth's pollutants, right? Now, when I say China, I'm also talking about places like Ethiopia, where China is exporting a lot of industry. And now they're there also polluting the air and the water. So as Catholics, um, we do have a concern for the ecology in regard to how it may affect people's lives. And we do want technology to advance so that China isn't responsible for nearly 30% of the world's pollutants and the U S and India and Russia and Iran, they have to combine together to even come close to matching what China is putting out. But largely climate change is not something we can impact daily as an individual. We have entire governments, we have an industry and scientists and even the Pope saying that the changes in our climate are largely man-made based upon how they believe all those gases from China are affecting the atmosphere. But again, largely China's industry is not something that is in our control. So what does an ethical Catholic concern look like in regards to ecology? and our concern for the gift that is planted that God has given us. What does that look like? This is, I think, a very important question. It gets to the root of the matter uh, because taking good care of our gift can easily um, become, a, I think, form of a worship, right, of the planet. Uh, and I think it has in some ways, and it looks disordered, and we have to guard against that, right? We have to, we have to show, we have to care and concern for our gift, but it can't turn into some sort of, um, idolatry where we worship mother earth and things like that. So Pope Francis tried to touch on this in his encyclical Laudato Si on care for our common home, but I think he largely struck out in that encyclical. He touched on some of, um, on, on some of what it means to over be over consumers, over consumption of goods. And he talked a little bit about what it means to live in excess and how it takes a community to work together. But what he should have addressed primarily was not the call to fix the environment, but rather the call to holiness, right? Not the call to fix the environment, but the call to holiness. A person who is responding to the call of holiness and the pursuit of Jesus just lives their life differently. And that difference alone impacts how that person interacts with the environment. The holy person is not greedy. Um, they don't fill their plate to the max at a buffet on a cruise ship and walk away with 90% of the food still there as waste. They, they don't do that. They don't consume more cars or houses or more computers than they need. They don't pollute. 
a holy person has a care for other souls. So it is in their nature to help the poor and to help those who need clean water or, or better um, living conditions. Holy people tend to be more charitable. They sacrifice what they have for others. So the world doesn't need a new green deal. It, it doesn't need a new Paris climate accord. It doesn't need an earth day or a, or a carbon tax. What the world needs is saints. The world needs Mother Teresa's, not just in covenant comments, but also in boardrooms and factory assembly lines and classrooms, war zones, grocery stores and the legislators. So to change the interior of the world, we need interior conversion. So I would say this, don't focus on the condition and environment as our principal priority. Rather, let's focus on the condition of our soul. That is something basic that Jesus said, right? He didn't have to write a whole encyclical to say this, to get us to understand what our responsibility is. He said this, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added onto you. So the first thing takes care of all things. Pretty simple, right? I think that's basically how we can be better stewards of the environment. So that's all I know about that. So right after the break, we have Finance Wednesdays and our regular Kevin Pilon from the financial associate from Zenith Group beyond to talk about finance from a capital perspective, including how to protect your assets from retirement. So we'll be taking your calls here about finance on the David O'Grey Show, Voice and Truth and Reason. Fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Are you ready to deep dive into your Catholic faith? Well, have we got a show for you. Hi, this is Len Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network with this week's Family Minute. Face to Face, a new GRN produced program with Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, founder of the Institute of Catholic Culture, is dedicated to classical education and formation of listeners through engaging conversations. Face to Face airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern on the GRN. Each week, Father and co-host Andy Mitchell will take a deep dive into topics related to scripture, theology, philosophy, history, liturgy, really anything that touches upon our Catholic faith. From interviewing Father's guests or taking your questions and comments, Face to Face will help you better experience and live authentic Catholic culture. Tune in weekly on your local GRN radio station, our mobile app, or our social platforms on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central. 
Welcome back in to the David Gray Show. The David L. Gray Show. I said that kind of fast. Everything ran together. And together just ran together. But this is the David L. Gray Show. Voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And it is Finance Wednesday. And we have our regular here, Kevin Pilon, um, who is a financial associate at Zenith Group. And he's going to talk about finance from a Catholic perspective. How's it going, Kevin? Today, sir. Yeah, how you doing? Oh, there yeah, we go. There we go. And I can actually see you. I don't know if you can see me, but this is kind of fun. <laughs> Definitely, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I'm excited to have you here. We we talked about this. We had you on my podcast, um, talking Catholic, and it was a really good show. It had a lot of great feedback. And I know we talked about, man, we should do this on a regular basis. And so here we are, and um, so I want to introduce you to this audience. So can you tell us just a little bit about your faith background and how you got into finance? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And uh, um, if I understand it, you're broadcasting across several states right now. Is that correct? Yeah, 38 stations altogether. So all the way from um, South Texas, all the way to Washington, D.C., and a lot of places in between. Very cool. Well, I hail here from the the tundra north of Minnesota near Lake Superior. We live just uh, a mile or two off of the shores of Lake Superior. And um, I grew up uh, in a big Catholic family. I have seven siblings, five sisters, two brothers. And uh, we grew up in um, the heart of a big metropolis. And um, my family is still there. Um, I decided that I was going to travel to the shores of Lake Superior to go to college. And I was originally pursuing a degree in business, and uh, I ended up switching and took a about as big of a 180 as you can take and studied music education. And so um, my professional <laughs> training switched into that, and I was doing music ministry and youth ministry. I ended up getting a job as a youth minister for a Catholic church in my diocese and did that for about six years um, with a lot of focus on um, uh, youth camps and music ministry uh, throughout the diocese. So um, I was doing that, and my wife and I, uh, we have three kids here, and um, about, I would say, six, seven years ago, we were, of course, interested in being wise with money. We took the, the call to be wise with our money from our Lord, from Scripture, very seriously in our marriage, but we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know what to do or what not to do. And what we learned very quickly is that all the internet advice in the world doesn't really replace good um, planning with, with someone who understands your specific situation. And so we kind of started interviewing financial planners around our area, just trying to do our best to be smart about what God had given us. And um, we yeah. ended up coming across this company called Thrivent, and um, they're a company that uh, was serving Christians as a financial planning firm. We had a great experience, and one day my wife says to me, she says, you know, you could do this for people. I said, I could do what for you. He said, you could, you could give people financial advice. You know, you really get this stuff, you take it seriously, and um, you have a passion for it. And so from being a music teacher and youth minister, I changed groups back to my original pursuit and became a financial planner. So that's what brought me to Thrivent, where I am today. Um, and just a brief note about that. Uh, so my specialty is like what I specialize in, David, uh, with Thrivent. As a firm, we are 
you know, we're a Fortune 500 financial planning firm, but we are not for profit. We're very unique and we exist to provide financial clarity. I came to Thrivent so that I could help Catholics. That's why I came. And they said, okay. you can do that. You can run it. You can run your practice any way you like. If you want to serve Catholics, wow. you go do that. And I serve other Christians and non-Christians as well, but my main focus is helping Catholics in kind of three main areas. So retirement planning um, is a big, big area with a lot of moving parts. Um, tax planning, so how to uh, navigate the ever-evolving world of taxes uh, on our various income sources. And the one that kind of is really the closest to my heart is charitable giving planning and how to maximize what we have been given and make sure that it goes to who and what we want, uh, you know, when our life is up and we give it all back to God. I think that was so amazing how you turn your, um, you turn this into a ministry. And when you, when you went into financial advising with the intention to figure out a way to help more Catholics in their finances. I really, I mean, that's just a beautiful thing. You turned it into like a, a whole ministry. And um, yeah, man, God bless you for, for responding to that call. But tell me, tell, tell us this, um, Kevin, why, um, what's different about what concerns would Catholics have uh, with their finances versus non-believers? Why, what's, what's the Catholic difference here? Sure, and I would say, I would say there are several. You know, um, the one that comes to the top of mind, and it comes from Scripture itself, is that really at the end of the day, money is just a tool. Money is not a goal. Money is not a pursuit. And you can serve God or you can serve money. And those are the two choices that our Lord gives us. And mm -hmm. if we can reframe that and keep a healthy relationship with money as a tool, then in my experience, and as you said, it really is a ministry, um, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Uh, our, we win. Our families win. The church wins. Um, it's just a win-win situation, to use a cliche. So money really is a tool. Mm -hmm. And specifically when it comes to Catholics in particular, there are a lot of moral and ethical issues that come up for us as Catholics and how to handle our finances, how to handle our investments specifically. That one comes up a lot in conversations. And that's something that many people have concerns about. There are concerns that are unique to Catholic business owners, for instance, than non-Catholic business owners, because they're trying to live out this mission that Jesus is calling them to live. And so those are kind of the high points that I would, would touch on. And I don't know if that elicits any you know other thought or question from you around that. Yeah, so let's dig into that. So we're talking with um, Mr. Kevin M. Pilon. He's a financial associate at Zenith Group. Um, and if you want to call in, ask him a question. This is an interactive show. Feel free. I'm going to be asking him some questions, but also feel free if you want to call in. If you have something that, that's personally been bugging you or you want to know more about, Kevin is here to answer that question. Um, sometimes it may be general in, in general, but also... Um, check out his contact information on our page. So if you want to contact him um, directly, you're free to do that as well. But call in um, at 877-757-9424. Again, that's 877-757-9424. So um, in regards to those, some of those areas that, that Catholics would be more particularly interested in, Kevin, I know you you talked a lot about retirement. Um Mm -hmm. What are some 
key things there that people need to be thinking about moving towards retirement or things they need to be thinking about there in retirement, how to protect their assets? Sure. So with the first part, I like to think of it as the financial junk drawer. And I don't mean junk drawer in a negative way. I mean it in a positive. You know, everybody has that drawer in their house that has a bunch of useful things in it for various different purposes. I have two in my house. And <laughs> there are some things in that drawer that are useful for right now. Some I might use all the time. Some might be very occasionally. And there's going to be the random electronics charger that gets pulled out once in a blue moon. When it comes to our finances, and as we get close to retirement, what we find is that we have diversified sources of income. While we're working in our working years, it's, it's pretty simple. You earn your paycheck, you make your paycheck, you spend your paycheck, and you're saving for retirement. But then when you reach retirement, maybe you're between the ages of 55 and 70, or you know, you're starting to look ahead towards retirement. That script gets flipped. Now we go from saving for ourselves to taking all of these diversified sources of income in the financial drawer and trying to turn them all on into income. And we're navigating all of these things. We're navigating social security. We're navigating possibly pensions and survivorship. We're navigating various kinds of retirement accounts from work or outside of work that we've saved for our own. In the middle of that, taxes keep changing. How are they going to get taxes? How is our health going to be affected? So there are all these things get thrown at us as we try to pull the trigger for retirement. And that's where the financial landscape has become, at least in 2021, rather complex. And it's making a clear path out of those things that allows people the ability to live freely in those retirement years the ability to give freely, the ability to spend time with the people and causes that are the most important. So that would be it in a nutshell, I would say. Okay. And um, as far as protecting your assets um, when you retire, what are some of the, the main risks that you tend to advise people with? Sure. The ones that I hear most often people have concerns with are, um, I'll, I'll just say maybe two or three, and there are more. But at the top of that list is, how do I make sure I don't run out of money? I'm going to be retired for X amount of years. What if I live till I'm 90? What if I live till I'm 95? How do I not put myself out on the street? So running out of money is a top concern for people, and that's Catholics and non-Catholics. Yeah. Another top concern is going to be, how do I protect what I have from it all going to long-term care. I think almost every one of us, you and myself included, and those of you who are listening, have been affected by a friend or a family member who has gone into long-term care. They've dealt with the spend down of assets. They've dealt with retirement accounts getting depleted. They've dealt with trying to figure out Medicaid. And in many cases, it is a nightmare. And there is good planning that can be done on the front end you know, when it comes to that, that concern and all these concerns. Um, another concern that people have is how can I make sure this goes to my family? So let's say they have this, uh, whatever the asset is or the assets are, how can I make sure this goes to my family and not to politicians, not to the IRS, not to taxes? How can I be the most tax efficient? 
those three risks are um, three of the big ones that I hear day after day after day that people are concerned about. And they are real concerns, legitimate concerns, and they have good answers. You know, and everybody's situation, of course, is different. Yeah, I want to spend a second there because a couple of those sound really scary. Um, so this, uh, <laughs> we're on, this is voice. <laughs> this is the, the David O'Grey show, Voicing Truth and Reason on Guadalupe Radio Network. We're talking with Kevin M. Pilon. He's a financial associate at Zenith Group, um, located in Minnesota, but he advises people everywhere. So um, we're here speaking about finance from a capital perspective. If you have a question, please call in at 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four again. That's eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. And and Kevin, where can people find you directly online if they want to get a hold of you? Where do they? Where would they go? Sure. So the easiest way you could simply just do a Google search of me and type Kevin Pilon Thrivent. That's the company I work for um, proudly. Uh, Kevin Pilon Thrivent would be fine. You could find me uh, via email Kevin at Thrivent or I believe you posted uh, my contact info uh, on your site, uh, but I can be reached directly by phone as well. But if you just search my name, Kevin Pilon Thrivent, you'll be able to find my website, and I have uh, you know, direct contact info right there on my website. Yeah, thank you. Man, so that, that sound is so scary, right? I mean, I'm only 49, right? I think I'm turning 49 this year. I was born in 72, so I think that's the math, right? So um, Good math, so. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, um, so, but being getting ready for retirement yet having all your assets dissolved for whatever reason for launch for, you have to go into care. What up? So how does this even happen? How is that even a thing? Walk us through that and, and how can people protect themselves from that? Cause that's, that sounds really scary. Yeah, so if I'm hearing your question correct, you're kind of thinking about someone's in retirement and they lose everything to to care, long-term care, let's say. Is that kind of the line that you're going on? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's a real scenario. And I because I've seen people like had they had a house and then they had to have their house dissolved or something by the state to, to pay for care. That's right. Yeah, so you know, the rules around that vary state by state. And so it's not going to be the exact same experience for everyone. But at the end of the day, the overall experience that many people have is someone plateaus in health or has a a health incident or health crisis. It might be in retirement years. It might be before retirement years. But the most often, you know, we see it happening on average. It happens to people in about their mid-80s across the country. And when that happens... Um, there are two ways that you can pay for it. You can pay for it out of pocket or you can pay for it uh, by having no ability to pay for it out of pocket and the state or the county is covering that cost via via Medicaid. Mm -hmm. So if those are the two main ways to pay for it, those who have the means to pay for it out of pocket are forced to do so until they can no longer do so and then it gets handed over to the authorities, if you will, to to go on whatever government program they need to go locally, which is, you know, Medicaid. And um, there are ways that people can, you know, plan for that and protect against that. 
Um, there are a number of them. I, I don't really have the ability to go through them today since uh, it's going to be different state by state. But right. many of us know people who have both uh, gone into care and nobody knew anything different. Everything seemed fine. And I have friends and, and of course, clients who have had that situation where someone has needed to go into care and it has basically wiped out everything that their family has. And at, and pretty much nothing is, is off the table. You know, they'll let you keep your home, they'll let you keep a vehicle. Um, but for a married couple, if someone, one or the other, needs care, and there's about a 50% chance that uh, nationwide someone will, the current statistics, then that can be really devastating for a family. And then you add on top of that mm-hmm. the family dynamics, right? who decides what, and then you have children involved trying to figure out what's best for mom or what's best for dad. And it can get really messy and it can be a great source of, of strain and, and sorrow for families. And all that is really just to say that, you know, we can do what we can do. We can be mindful. We can be planful. We can make smart decisions. At the end of the day, God is in charge. He decides what happens to me when. He decides if I have health or if I don't have health. But while I have health, while I have money, while I have this tool, he is asking me to do the best that I can with it. And it would be a mistake for me to not try and find out how to best utilize what I have. And that's while I'm working or that's while I'm retired. You know, hopefully, you know, you're 49, hopefully 15 years from now, you're retired and you have financial plans in place that allow you to prepare for the inevitability of uncertainty. Like the only thing that's certain with your future and my future, David, is that it is uncertain. So how can we (laughs) best prepare for that? Recognizing that we're not supposed to panic. We're not supposed to try and grasp everything and control it all, but that we are asked to be wise. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so we're speaking with Kevin Pilon. He is with Thrivance. You can find him online just by typing his name, Kevin M P I L O N, and typing Thrivent, T H R I V E N T. We're here talking about finance from a Catholic perspective. So, um, and Kevin, the floor is yours. Um, the to really talk about. So, if a, if a young Catholic couple comes to you, kind of like you and your your wife were, um so many years ago right <laughs> before all the kids <laughs> so many um, so many <laughs> so what what are like some of the things that you really want to be looking at as a young couple right so we talked about retirement we talked about um protecting your assets in retirement but what about the young couple what what are some of what, what are some of the things they're looking at getting started with um, looking at college and buying a home and cars. A lot of stuff goes going on. What are some of the things that you're looking at with young couples? Yeah, that, oh, that's just so great. Um, for young couples, um, I really try to think about it um, from uh, the visual of a pyramid. And, and this is how uh, all my colleagues really see it too. We really think about financial planning as a pyramid. And at the bottom of the pyramid is the base. It's the, it's the biggest section. It's the foundation. And when I think about married couples first starting out or, or you know, having their first kid or buying their first, first home, there are some basic principles that I think apply across the board. And how each couple implements them is going to be different. But 
you think about some of these basic things, they're kind of self-explanatory, right? It's, okay, spend less than you make. Rule number one, <laughs> spend less than you make. Credit card debt will kill you, right? right. Spend less than you make. It's, it's not rocket science. The second one is be wise with debt, all right? There's good debt and there's bad debt. If you are buying your first home and you end up with a, a home mortgage, that might be an example of a good debt. If you are spending more than you're making and you're putting that debt on a credit card, that might be an example of really bad debt. So being wise with debt and okay. recognizing the differences. Um, uh, the next would be is protect yourself against setbacks. So for married couples who are first starting out, that's understanding life insurance, understanding disability insurance, understanding your benefits at work. And if you don't understand them, talking to someone who does and can help you make sense of that all. Um, understanding your health and dental insurance. So the, the various insurances that, that float across that financial base is knowing what's good for you, what isn't good for you. Um, nobody's a cookie cutter. But um, protecting yourself against setbacks overall is very important because, you know, if if I'm like most Americans and I can't sustain a $1,000 expense and pay for it with cash in my bank account, that's a problem. So how can we make sure we have those healthy emergency funds and the right kinds of insurance in place and all of that? Um, the next would be starting to make short and long-term plans. This is kind of really fun for young married couples. Uh, this is where the conversation often ends up the most fun is, what do you want to do in the next five years? What does the next 10 years look like for your family financially? And starting to realize those short and those long-term plans and that they influence each other. Um, and then finally, for young married couples, um, which is the same as everybody I meet with, it's how do we give back? How can we give more of our time, of our talent, of our treasure? Uh, that's huge. We, we all need detachment from our money. All of us. There's no exception. Hmm. So building charity into your how you manage your finances is essential to um, to what? Building, sorry, you cut out for one second. Are building charity into your finance? Oh yes, yeah. so because you're talking about building charity, the role that charity plays, actually giving back um, what God has given you. You said that's an important role. Why? Why is that in, important for for Catholics to build a, a charitable giving plan to build into their to their life? Why is that important? Well, it's important for ultimately our salvation it is important for us to like i just said be detached from money because we don't take any of it with us and how we use it on this earth we will we will be accountable for and there's many examples of that that we can get right from our lord right from scripture but having a charitable mindset you know, whether it's you're giving now or you're planning on giving later, in the practical sense, what it means is that more of what I have goes to people and places that I want it to go to and that need it, and less of it goes to politicians that I don't think are going to spend it wisely. 
Mm-hmm. So those are really the only three options. You know, if if I'm if I fast forward your life, David, 50 years and you pass away, whatever you have at the end, it's either going to the people that you care about, places that you care about, or politicians to spend. And that's it. And many people end up giving more to Caesar than his due. I will tell you that from experience time and time again. Jesus says, give to Caesar what is due to Caesar. Give to God what is God's. Many people give Caesar more than he needs to at the end of their life. And they don't know it. They didn't even know that they did it. And that comes from not planning as we got a plan leading up to that. Just not having a plan. Yep. If you don't have a plan, the government has a plan for your retirement account. They have a plan <laughs> for your assets. They do. I, that I is a promise. great point. If you don't have a plan for your finances at the end of life, the government has a plan for it. Yeah, they, they, they sure do. And I, I was just reading somebody's just um have posted this. I don't know how true it is. I don't know if it's they're, they're talking about it or something that um the new administration wants to implement, but um, capital gains. What what is what is capital gains? Because I hear it's supposed to be going up. What's that? Sure. So you think of capital gains. Uh, think about it actually in terms of a house. All right. That's the easiest way I like to think about it because it's you have this item and it has a value when you purchase it. When you go to mm-hmm. sell it for when you go to sell it, what it's worth might be X amount of dollars more. The difference between what I buy something for and what I sell it for is a capital gain. That's true with homes. That's true. It's not true with cars because they only go down in value unless they're a collector vehicle. But it's true with stocks. <laughs> it's true with mutual funds. It's true with so many financial instruments. And it's, it's a main part of how our market works. And it's one of the main ways that people are able to continue to outpace the ever-present inflation that's always underneath everything. A lot of people have inflation concerns. Um, That's why we invest. That's why we need things to grow because uh, our money loses value over time. So capital gains is really just Mm -hmm. the difference between what I bought something for and what I sold it for. You can also have a capital loss, right? If you sell something for less than you bought it for, that's a capital loss. So, and so, so capital gains tax is taxing your gains on certain things that you, you sell. Mm-hmm. Yep. So as an example, um, you know, I'm just speaking, since I live in Minnesota, I'll use Minnesota as an example. Um, if, if you are a married couple and you sell your primary residence, you have a $500,000 freebie on, on the capital gains on your home. So if I, if I bought a home for $100,000 and I married and we, and we lived in it and we sell it for $600,000, that capital gains is considered uh, excluded. It's, we're, we're not going to have to worry about those capital gains. Um, that's, that's an example. But capital gains tax is different, of course, than income tax. So income, is, income tax is I make this money at my profession or my job. I'm taxed at my income tax rates. Capital gains are I bought this security, this stock, or this mutual fund, or this second home, or this property, and it grew in value, and I sold it, and I'm going to be paying a different tax on that than my income tax. All right. All right. So, yeah, we're speaking with Kevin Pilon. He's with Thrivance. We're here talking about 
It's Finance Wednesday. So and this is a very important topic because there's a lot of resources out there. Um, Kevin read some of them when he was getting started in marriage about how to uh, reduce debt and how to protect your assets. A lot of resources out there, very few of them from a Catholic perspective and talking about the things that Catholics um, would be interested in and really need to focus on. And Kevin here with us in, in the studio, he's actually a financial advisor and he has as his ministry and as his focus to help everyone, but particularly he wants to help Catholics and, and couples and individuals protect their finances and grow their, and grow their wealth and figure out ways to structure means by which we can uh, protect it long-term, short-term and give it away to charity short-term and at the, um, in the life. You can find Kevin online just by typing in his name, Kevin, um, P-I-L-O-N, and Thriving. You can find him there. He's out of Minnesota, but he works everywhere. So uh, feel free to reach out to him for more, uh, uh, any questions that you have specifically about any questions that you have. Um, so we talked a little bit about values in our in our homes, um, selling them and um but so if you have a, say a person has a lot of equity in her home, um, is it ever wise to take that equity out and then invest it in something else? Cause I know sometimes you may have equity in your home. You may have a medical bill. It may be good to reduce debt by taking equity out. I don't know, but is it ever wise to take equity out of your home to then invest it in another instruments for growth? At a faster it can rate? be. Yeah, I'll say this. I'll say that it can be. It isn't. It isn't wise in every situation, but there are people that it is a wise decision for, and it will depend on some of those factors you alluded to, of course. Um, but it is a perfectly viable way that people are, you know, coming into funds to use them for a purpose. Um, it's not advisable in every situation. Just like with any other, you know, financial strategy, and maybe we'll touch on it on some other financial strategies, but just like any financial strategy, um, it's only wise in the right situation for the right person. Um, and to me, I think that is the heart of finance: is that I can read a I can read a good article and I can agree with what this article says around finance or what this financial person or that financial person says, but if that advice was not given with my situation in mind, then it's not the best advice, even if it's good advice. And there's a lot of good advice out there. Yeah. And as far as, you know, there are a lot of Catholics, especially who listen to Guadalupe radio network who don't want their money to be um, invested in at places that they know are going to support in, intrinsic evils. Right. And, Yep, and I have, I have my phone up here because I, I I follow these on on Robinhood. I have them in a little folder called Catholic Investments, right? So you have a couple of them like Global X Funds, um, and then um, S and P Catholic Values and things like that. So you have these things out here. Um, I think both of these are like very slow growth. It's a good place to kind of park your money, but they don't grow really fast. Um, so a Catholic who wants to not invest in places that they're going to give their money to Planned Parenthood or support, support um, agendas that we fundamentally disagree with, what are some ways they can grow mm -hmm. their money faster 
um, than some of these conventional things that we we see. Yep. So. Oh, um, and you have a minute will, and a half to answer that question. All right. Well, this will be <laughs> this will be my plug. <laughs> this will be my 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 plug for a Catholic financial advisor, a financial planner. Um, so, okay. for instance, I have entire um, portfolios and focuses for clients for that reason. You know, I I do what I do for Catholics because, you know, that is really important. It's important that our money is going and being invested in a morally responsible way. And 10 years ago, that was very difficult for people to find and very difficult to achieve. But um, investment platforms and screening, so screening out companies that are morally objectionable for Catholics, used to be a lot more difficult. Now, it's not. And the growth on those funds also used to be really, um, you had to give up a lot of growth in order to invest in a Catholic morally responsible way. That is also not so much the case anymore. So they've caught up. They really have caught up and there are a lot more options. Some of them might be very conservative, David, so they might not grow very much. Some of them might be very aggressive and they, they grow up and down really, really fast. And so it just really depends on what the actual vehicle is that's been utilized, but very achievable now in today's technology market. Awesome. So this is our first Catholic Finance Wednesdays. Hope you guys enjoyed it. So I'm going to be um, reaching out to all my listeners. So when we come back next fourth Wednesday, I'm going to have some more questions from from them for you ready to go. Thanks, Kevin. Look him up online. Kevin P. Lane at Thriving. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back same time next week, same place. And I look forward to conversing with you again in between time. And in the meantime, um, feel free to reach me online at davidogray.info. But until then, until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and is there for you. And live your life like salvation matters. And may the abundance of our Lord's blessings and graces and favors fall upon you and yours. Thank you. Veritas is a Catholic men's group that meets quarterly to celebrate our rich Catholic heritage. The evening starts with a whiskey-tasting, cured meats, and cigars before an inspiring talk by an engaging Catholic speaker. Dress as 